0: Welcome to the Church and Family Life podcast. Church and Family Life exists to proclaim the sufficiency of Scripture. And we're here to talk about the sufficiency of Scripture in marriage. And we particularly want to talk about how husbands lead their families, particularly how they lead their wives. And, of course, Jason, here we go again. Another uh, neat topic. To, to deal with here.
1: This is a great topic.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've been trying to learn this for a long time. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and it's so good to have Scott Lapierre with us. Scott LaPierre is uh, the pastor at Woodland Christian Church in Woodland, Washington. And hey, we're going to do a marriage conference on December 11th. Yeah, come to our marriage conference December 11th in Woodland, Washington. Uh, you can get the information on our website and we're delighted to have Scott with us for a number of reasons. He's a great friend, but he also has written a book on marriage, and uh, I've, you know, I've got some of the words right here. Harvest House is getting ready to publish it, uh, so it'll be coming out when
2: September 21st, the same date my uh, ninth child is due. Okay, so nice <laughs> September
0: 21st. So that'll be yeah, it's a good book. Go out and get that book from from Harvest House. Uh, I endorse the book. I like it. Thank you very much, Scott. Thanks for writing it. Okay, so we're going to be talking about male leadership in the home. And uh, the Bible is unequivocal in its promotion that men are the leaders of their homes. That doesn't mean that women don't lead at all. That doesn't mean that. But um, God, in his word, puts enormous weight on the shoulders of, of husbands to lead. And you got two big problems. Number one, men are fallen. They don't always lead in a holy way. Number two, women are fallen. <laughs> and they're rebellious too. And so you got, you got problems. But the truth is God actually has placed an enormous responsibility on husbands to nourish and cherish their wives. You know, husbands are charged to do Lots of stuff, so that's our focus. We want to talk about husbands, not wives, really, necessarily, although we do also want to recognize that in our society, the worst thing you can do is ever say that a woman should submit to a husband and you and and you would never want to touch the sacred cow of of the sanctity of womanhood, uh secular womanhood and um right. So, but the the problem with that is that the Bible does kind of crash into the independence of a woman. That's what it does. So, but it defines the kind of crash that it is. And it's actually, you know, the most wonderful kind of crash you can imagine because it's about nourishing and cherishing and sacrificing your life for your wife. So, okay, with that. So I think the first thing I'd like to talk about is, uh, the commands of God toward husbands, what our husbands are husbands supposed to do? So let's just talk about that.
2: Well, one thing that just comes to mind uh, as I listen to you, Scott, is really a pattern of Scripture that brings us to those commands. Um, you know, for the people of faith through the Old Testament and New Testament, we always see that God has called men to lead. You look at the patriarchs, they're men. You look at the heads of the tribes of Israel, they're men. The covenants were, were made with men. And, and so that brings us into the New Testament where we see the leaders in the church are going to be men. And then it, by extension, of course, the, the, uh, leaders within the home within marriage are going to be men as well. And so we have first, uh, first Corinthians 11, where God says that just as, um, you know, Christ is the head of man, man is the head of woman. We've got Ephesians 5, uh, 25, where husbands are called, uh, to love their wives as Christ loves the church. Um, and then 22 to 24, that husbands are identified as the head of the relationship. So, uh, by extension, First Peter 3, when wives are commanded to submit to their husbands, that implies that if a wife is submit, there's an indirect command for husbands there, that if a wife is to submit to her husband, then he would be the leader, he would be the one that would be, um, you know, the head of their relationship, commanded in verse 7 to dwell with his wife in an understanding way. So it's a, it's very clear it's not vague or ambiguous. I understand some, you know, discussions about eschatology or other things that might be a little, a little more um ambiguous unclear in scripture, but this isn't this isn't an area of of uh, vagueness.
1: Right. Well, uh I wanted to launch my uh my comments here out of a verse, it's Genesis 18:19 and uh, God speaking to Abraham. And in Genesis eighteen nineteen, God says this: For I have known him; I have known Abraham, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what He has spoken to him. What I really appreciate about that verse is uh, that it, it uh, paints a really compelling. Vision of of a home that is unified around serving the Lord. I think you find from Genesis to Revelation that uh, that authority in the home is is hooked to mission. What's the mission? It's it's serving King Jesus. To look to look back at this through the New Testament lens, it's serving Jesus. So a, a husband is put in place and a father is put in place to rally his family. Uh, around loving and serving King Jesus. So he's, he's not put in authority to do whatever he wants or to promote his own ease and pleasure. He's actually put in authority to, to rally the troops to serve the Lord together. And this is a, a compelling vision. Um, uh, g- godly wives won't resent that vision at all. God, godly wives are, are thrilled by a vision of, of a husband who is rallying the family to serve their king.
0: Now that's i you know in genesis two twenty one and forward you have the two becoming one flesh you know this unity of of a husband and wife the the it's the headship of a husband is really designed to create unity right and both both need to go there but it's it's a it's just fundamental to marriage that there's a unity and uh the husband is primarily responsible for creating
2: that. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate that you're saying, Jason, that came somewhat as a as a shock to me. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was introduced to um, biblical marriage or Christian marriage headship submission in my early 20s. Uh, it it was foreign to me, um, and I anticipated that women would, you know, despise uh, having to submit or look to a man for leadership, uh, but the shock was that after God opened the door for me to, to speak on marriage or put on marriage conferences— and through my experience pastoring and counseling, the biggest criticism that I hear from women is not that submission is barbaric and that they don't want to submit. The biggest criticism is that my husband won't leave. And so while there is, um, you know, a rebelliousness and uh, because of our sinful nature in every woman's heart, just as there is a propensity in men's hearts to be passive or to be harsh in their leadership, uh, the godly woman who's regenerate, who's, who's brought to life spiritually, has a spirit that you know craves craves a man she can look up to and craves being led spiritually uh I don't frequent I don't regularly hear men saying my wife won't go to church to me with me my wife won't pray with me my wife won't attend this home fellowship with me uh but I regularly hear um women saying my husband won't go to church with me my husband won't pray with me my husband won't read the bible with me uh it's one of the you know, saddest things when you have a deeply spiritual woman who is just longing for her husband to pray and read the word with her and, and worship with her. And so uh, I appreciate what Jason was saying about all this is in place to sing, to, to serve Christ, um, our king. And much of that relates to what happens during the, in the home Monday through Saturday. And we unfortunately been part of a culture that believes the Christian family is one that's largely uh, only Christian Sunday morning, and then maybe Monday through Saturday wouldn't look different than any other family, unbelieving or secular. And uh, that rests on a, a man's shoulder to ensure that his home doesn't just claim to be Christian, but is Christian, and does gather around the Word throughout the week that does, hopefully, whether beginning or at least ending the day with prayer, engages in some amount of worship, whether that's just re- reading the Word or singing together, um God expects men to bring the family it's not on a wife's shoulders to make sure the home is spiritual. It's not on a wife's shoulders to make sure that the home um worships the Lord or serves King King Jesus throughout the week.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Ephesians five makes that so clear. You know what it, it is true, my experience is the same as yours, Scott. Uh the most common complaint I hear from wives is that their husbands uh won't lead and I think that's probably very common with all of us. I, there's also another category, and with this, we could probably talk about the sins of women. There are particular sins of women uh, who we could speak about those. There are particular sins of men as well. One of the sins of women is that uh, when a husband begins to lead, then she begins to consider it inadequate. and uh, And she doesn't want to follow that leadership. So, There's a, there's a difficulty there because you have, uh, you have a a couch potato husband on the one hand, and then when that couch potato husband gets off the couch, (laughs) you know, his wife resists it. That, I've, I've encountered that. But not as much as just the couch potato. There are more couch potatoes out there, I think, than there are rebellious wives. That's my, that's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I I think if you want to strengthen a power struggle in the home, uh, you make it inward-focused. You make the home sort of the the central feature. And if if it's only about if our home is only about the home, then why aren't my preferences as valid as your preferences? But when a home is outward-facing, and there's a common understanding in the home that we don't exist for us, we exist to worship the Lord, honor the mm-hmm. Lord, serve the Lord, advance uh, King Jesus's mm-hmm. kingdom then every, everyone can sort of put their hand on the rope together and pull pull in the same direction a direction uh, uh set by dad but uh, D- D- dad working according to the the code book of the kingdom
0: yeah and even even beyond that uh the spirit of the kingdom you know the, the family life codes you know they're in Ephesians 5 and 6 um they're prefaced with the proposition of the filling of the Holy Spirit so you can have a man who's leading not filled with the Holy Spirit in other words he's leading but not with love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control but the whole matter of family life uh, presumes the filling of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5:18, do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit and then there are things that happen when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you began speaking to one another in psalms, mm-hmm. hymns, and spiritual songs. Wives submit to their husbands; husbands love their wives like Christ loved the church. Children obey their parents; uh, fathers do not exasperate their children. So, these are all manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So, it's not it's not exclusively a matter of whether you're leading, but how are you leading? Is it by the power of the Holy Spirit, or is it by your manhood cranking up to be whatever you want to be.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, thinking of male headship in the home through the lens of Jesus and how he leads his people, he is unequivocally the leader of his people. It is not in dispute. It is not open for Mm -hmm. discussion. But the way in which he leads is so precious to his people. And I think we want to try to recreate that in every way that we can uh, in our home, I, I remember uh, Jeff Pollard giving a message and he asked this question of the, of the men of the husbands in the room uh, is anything about your leadership. Uh, does anything about your leadership make your wife sorry that she's mm-hmm. a woman? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, that's a really uh, helpful diagnostic question. If you're doing something in your leadership that makes your wife sorry that she's she's a woman, your leadership should make her glory that she's a mm-hmm. woman. Um, In in, in her womanhood.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I heard something real early in my Christian life too that a pastor said that a woman will have a much easier time submitting to a godly man. And that one of the, you know, best ways for a husband to love his wife actually has little to do with his relationship with his wife and so much to do with his relationship with Christ. Because if a wife sees a man who loves Christ, is prayerful, is in the word, then she can be confident in his decisions and she can put her life in her in his hands so much easier but if a if a woman is expected to submit to a man that she has little confidence in his relationship with christ she's going to be terrified about the decisions he'll make about the direction that he would take the family and so in a sense i, I don't I, I think it's actually it's not a an overstatement to say that one of the best ways for a man to love his wife is to love christ uh the comp the greater confidence that that gives her in him
0: you know i have many young people come to me from asking, you know, how do I prepare for marriage? And my, my answer is, don't. Become like Christ. Just follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. He'll lead you. He'll lead you. He'll take care of you in your marriage if you're becoming like Christ. Uh, it's the most important thing you'll ever do. It's transferable to everything. And, you know, there are not 10 things you need to do to prepare for marriage. Well, there might be some things you would list, but uh, the most important thing is: Are you becoming like Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think it's helpful at this point to to go upstream from marriage to pre-marriage, mm-hmm. and to exhort the the young women who might listen to this, to never accept a husband who's not ready to take her hand and run after the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You you want to be marrying a man whose heart is for God, who has the fruits of the Spirit in his life, so you can enter into this marriage with the confidence that he's not going to try to craft a home around his comforts and ease and Mm -hmm. preferences, but that his interest really is Mm outward-facing, and then you're in for a thrilling life.
0: Yeah, you don't want to say you know to her, well, he loves you. He has a job. He has enough money to get married. He's mature. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. Those things are good. Those things are important, but they're not the most fundamental, the important things.
2: Right? Yeah. Marriage is one. It's an interesting area of life. Uh, in that, I mean, if you, if I use an example, we don't ever. You don't start practicing for a game the day of the game. You don't start, you know, studying or preparing for a test the day of a test, but we kind of start preparing for marriage after we're married. You know, that's when we start reading marriage books, going to marriage conferences. And that's for any single people listening. You know, I've been blessed when I put on marriage conferences and I've seen single people there and they they even cringe a little. They're a little embarrassed. You know, I introduced myself and and then they're like, oh, yeah, they're almost apologetic. Um, You know, I'm sorry I'm here. I just heard there's a marriage. And I'm like, hey, I think you're way ahead of all the people who started coming to marriage conferences after they were already married. And so start learning about marriage, preparing for it. Uh, you know, so many young people, young men, kind of, kind of like you just shared, Scott, I get the same question. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. So how do I prepare? And I'm like, well, you're not going to go wrong if you're growing your relationship with Christ. If you're reading the word, uh, if, if you're committed to the Lord, then that's going to be used no matter how the Lord wants whatever profession, uh, you find yourself in. That's going to be used in that profession in your, in your time as a husband and as a father. So, you know, for any young people, they're, they're making good use of their time the more that they're in the word and in prayer as single people.
1: So Scott, a personal note, Jana and I got engaged right in the middle of the Dennis Rainey about, about the midpoint of a Dennis Rainey marriage conference. We attended the first <laughs> half and we thought we are ready for this. I already owned the ring. And so we went and got a
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Couldn't wait any longer.
0: Oh, that's funny. That's crazy.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Some of the guys I talked to at marriage conferences, they listen and they become convicted because I, I'll put a large emphasis on men being spiritual leaders in the home. And they come to me and I think it's very genuine. I don't think it's an excuse. They'll say to me, you know, I want to do that. I want to be that. I know that I'm not. I want to be that spiritual leader. Uh, and I really appreciate this humility or transparency. They'll see from them, they'll say, but I'm, I'm terrified. And I think we're kind of in this, the three of us, most of the men we know or we're close with are pastors. They're men that are comfortable praying, comfortable being up front, you know, comfortable preaching the word, and we kind of project ourselves on others. So because these things are comfortable for us, we assume that other men are going to be very comfortable praying with their families or reading the word with their families, but there really, there was really, uh, I don't think, you know, I think the, uh, an appropriate word would be terror. There's really an amount of terror with many men associated with opening the Bible with their families. You know, what if I don't, what if I don't know what to say? What if I can't answer my wife's questions? What if I fumble this word or this verse? What if I'm praying and it sounds, it sounds silly? You know, what if I don't sound like that guy on the radio? And so, I mean, I know we're not focusing on women. But that's one reason I'll tell, I'll try to share with women how a husband will be that, uh, fearful associated with his spiritual leadership in the home and the large part she plays in encouraging him and not, you know, disrespecting him, chopping him off at the knees. There's this one couple I'd counseled and that I had encouraged the husband to read the word with his family. And I really believe because the wife said she wanted that so badly that once he started being that spiritual leader that, uh, their marriage would improve. So he starts reading more of the family. He comes back like two weeks later, and I could just see it on his face how discouraged and frustrated he was. And I said, "Well, what's what happened? Did you know? Did you did you open the Bible with her?" And and he said, "I did, but I'm never going to do it again." And I said, "Well, why not?" And he said, "She second guessed everything I said. She she criticized me constantly. She kept saying that the my observations about the verses were wrong. And it, and every time we we read, it just ended up in this fight. And so." You know, I see, the, I see the importance of a man leading, but I also see the large part that a woman plays in being her husband's encourage, encourager because he's so afraid that he's not going to sound like, you know, Scott Brown or Paul Walsh or Bodie Bauckham or something.
0: Well, maybe that guy just needed to learn how to love his wife when, he's, when she's breathing fire at him. <laughs> that's what the Spirit of God teaches you to do. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough thing. Okay, so let's talk about the guy who is saying, I'm not leading my wife. Tell me what to do. What do you want to say to this guy? Well, I mean, I, I want to
1: start by telling him what not to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if he comes to this conviction, uh, he, he might very well charge in, and now uh, and now he is the head of the household when he's never shown an interest in that before. And he hasn't been kind of cultivating the things that makes that soft ground. Mm-hmm. But now he's ready to lay down the law. Well, the the results of that are going to be very predictable. So I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think his starting point needs to be a gentle, patient starting point. He sort of created his own problem there, mm-hmm. and he doesn't need to impose the problem that he created on her. He needs to. He does need to start immediately. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be persistent, but he needs to be patient and gracious, too.
2: I mean, that's a great point. It's funny. I was an officer in the—I went to ROTC, and then I was an officer in the Army, and they had these horror stories about these lieutenants, you know, that are 21, 22 years old, and they take over a platoon, you know, 20, 30 soldiers, some of them lifetime soldiers that have been in the in the military longer than these officers have been alive. And this officer shows up, <laughs> up, this officer shows up on the scene. You kind of see where I'm going and why I thought of this with your— Sorry, Jason. An officer shows up on the scene and he needs to assert his authority. He needs to let the platoon know that he knows what he's doing. He needs to let the platoon know that that uh, he's in charge. And so he comes off, too, you know, ultra strongly and just loses all of his soldiers' respect. And I just remember they really drilled that home that when we took over our first platoon, we were supposed to be learners. We were supposed to be teachable. We were supposed to, um, you know, be receptive. And one of the reasons I really that stuck with me was after I became a Christian, uh, you know, hupataso or submit, it's a word that refers to arranging troops under a commander or the arranging of divisions under a commander. So there's this militaristic relationship with a husband and wife, almost like a husband's a platoon leader, you know, a wife's a platoon sergeant, and it's only a foolish platoon leader that wouldn't listen to his platoon sergeant or, you know, or allow um, him to share his thoughts. And so my encouragement to to the husband would be similar uh, to Jason. Don't try to come off, you know, too imposingly or too strongly. And then the second thing I'd say is choose a book of the Bible, probably one you're you're more familiar with. Um, I don't think that your family worship time is the time when you should choose a, a Bible a book of the Bible that you're going to be learning. Hopefully, you can learn it separately and then kind of come to your family when you have greater familiarity with it to answer questions. But don't even I don't even think you have to feel like you're an expert because none of us know everything. We're going to encounter encounter questions during our family worship, our family Bible studies that we can't answer. We should just be humble as men and say things like, you know what, I don't know. I'll look into it. Let me get back to you versus trying to kind of pull some answer out of our sleeve that, you know, it's obvious that we don't really know what we're talking about. Um, My encouragement is usually choose a book of the Bible you're familiar with. Start at chapter one, verse one. Don't have a certain length of of time in mind. You know, don't decide that you're going to do 30 or 40 minutes or an hour. Uh, Just kind of let... You know, the spirit lead, you might say, and, and read a verse, kind of talk about it, ask people, ask your wife, your kids, their thoughts, share about it, read another verse. Uh, there's no, there's no prescription in scripture for how a man is supposed to do Bible studies with his family, but that's been something that I've encouraged men to do. You know, if you, if you read the verse five, pick up at verse six next time, don't be committed to having to get through 10, 20 verses or one chapter. Maybe one time you're, you're having a good, A good discussion of one verse and that takes your whole, that takes your whole family Bible study. There's been times for me, I've been shocked. I don't know how many other fathers might relate to this, that I have spent more time talking about the gospel with my children and in our family studies than I ever would have imagined. I mean, being pastors, kids who, who, you know, grown up in the church, I know my kids know the Bible, but there have been so many times when it feels like the Lord has led us away from what I had planned. To discuss, to talk about the Bible or talk about the gospel one more time, and so I think some you know flexibility to go where your kids' questions sort of lead, so that they're interested and involved as as well can be very beneficial.
0: You know, I would just add, uh, it's out of the wellspring of your heart that you lead, and getting your heart ready every day uh, before you see people that your soul is like uh, George Mueller said, made happy. He said he he didn't want to see anybody until his soul had been made happy by the Word of God, mm-hmm. and uh so you know shepherds pastors should lead that way too they should lead out of the out of the wellspring of their hearts, but their hearts have to be saturated in the goodness of god's word, and that's how a husband is filled with the Holy Spirit he's being directed from on high, not from within, and it's out of out of that wellspring that mm-hmm. that he leads. Well, I just want to read, uh, 1 Peter 3-7, uh, just to conclude us all up. Thank you guys for the, there's, boy, we could talk about this for a long time. It I is. can tell we're not even close to being done, but here's, we're going to be done. Uh, 1 Peter 3-7, husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives in an understanding way, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers May not be hindered. Amen. How about that for a warning yeah. for husbands? <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, brothers, thank you so much uh, for the discussion. I I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better leader of my wife. I really do. And uh, I'm grateful. I have a wife that actually she follows me. She really does. It's just a it's amazing to me. <laughs> but she does. And uh, I pray that God gives the listeners wives like that too. But that, that they also would be men who lead and lead their wives to living water. So thank you, Scott, and thank you, Jason. Pleasure. Christian. Thank you. Well, yeah, and thank you for joining us on the Church and Family Life Podcast. I hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Church and Family Life Podcast. We have thousands of resources on our website, announcements of conferences coming up. Hope you can join us. Go to Life. See you next Monday for our next broadcast of the Church and Family Life podcast.